Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. All right, we've hit the button. We're here. We're making this happen. I'm excited. Let's introduce you all to today's guest, a former competitor. We used to wage war <laughs> against each other on the battlefield of marketing automation and Pardot and all things tech and marketing. But no, no longer are we competitors. And, and I'm excited to talk to him and learn from him here today. He's an entrepreneur, a marketer, marketing thought leader. Marketing automation is, is a sweet spot, but you know what? He also has a special place in his heart for personalization. And I think sometimes those two concepts war against each other as well. So I'm so excited to introduce you to the co-founder and strategist, chief strategist at Sales Lab X, Milton Anthony. Welcome, sir. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for the invite. Um, yeah, let's get go ahead and get started. Let's do it, man. So let me pass you this thing. It's heavy, but clearly you are ready for this thing. You work out. Ugh. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. Take Thor's hammer. You got, I it? got it? All right. All right. Now smash for me with that hammer. Some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. I think my biggest myth uh, that I see is that open rates and click rates are a big, big deal. So open rates, click rates, they're just so amazing. They just do everything for you. And they're like the silver bowl, right? That'll fix everything. Yep, exactly. Um, and I, and you talked about it when you did the intro, but I think open rates and click rates and this data is an awesome thing. And I think it's a big deal. Uh, but I just don't think it's as big of a deal as people make it out to be. Right. So, Yeah. Yeah. So, so where does this come from? Why are we so obsessed with these metrics? Well, for me, I think that data is a really good way to tell you what has already happened. And intuition is a really good way for you to tell what's going to happen. And I think sometimes people don't wield, shout out to Thor's hammer, shout don't out. wield both with discernment, right? And I think that um, how you use both of those tools are super important. And sometimes people forget the end objective uh, of all of this data, all of this personalization. For me, personalization has always been more than about marketing and KPIs and data. Right? And I think sometimes people forget that uh, when they get so much in the weeds with the data aspect, the open rates, the click-through rates, the conversion rate optimization. Uh, because in the end of the day, I genuinely believe the most powerful thing you can do for another human being is to make them feel like a little part of the world is made just for them, just with them in mind. And sometimes when you get so caught up in the data and the nuance, you forget what the end objective is, is, is optimizing, it's personalizing, it's using the data to make that person feel like they're heard, they're understood. And the crazy world we live in actually makes sense for one email at a time, um, right? And I think sometimes people get clouded just looking at the data, the data, the data, and they forget what they got into the industry for in the first place. Yeah, we forget, right? What? Why did we get here in the first place? We for, we see all those numbers and those letters, and we just we just extrapolate that to getting the job done. We forget that it's a human being on the other end that is that. That number one, I remember in Pardot where you have a report and sometimes you could click on it. Maybe this is OG Pardot. You could click on that number four and it would show you the four people that that represented. And I felt like that was such a powerful thing if you clicked on it, because then you would realize, oh, that's not just like four anonymous Google Analytics numbers. That's like four individuals with names and emails and families and hopes and dreams and all these things. Yeah. And, you know, and one Lee, I, I always joke uh, in marketing and sales is like a 3% conversion rate, a success is a 30% conversion rate, a success. Right. Um, but sadly, there's a lot of systems out there in the world that there's that same mentality where, 
oh, why do these four people matter that much? Um, and you know, you don't really optimize as much as you really can because you think that the it's a percentage game. You know, um, yeah. and I think that's ultimately where the vanity metrics get in the way of actually being able to make an impact with the skills that you have. Yeah. So you're passionate about this. What why? Where does it come I, from? Another myth is I'm passionate about marketing automation, Salesforce, and revenue attribution modeling, but <laughs> I could actually care less. I'm sorry. Uh, but you know what I'm really into? Um, what I'm really into is giving credit for the work people do, right? Giving credit for what people do. So like if you look at marketing or design or strategy, a lot of times on the sales side, there's commissions, there's comp plans, because there's this clear line of attribution between the work you're doing and the result you're getting. There are higher order thinking that marketers do that um, that a lot of people who are into strategy do that there isn't a clear clear line of attribution. What really frustrates me and what what started me down this path is you know when you think about another big system like the corporate system that rewards people, I feel a little bit unfairly because they don't have visibility to all the data is the education system. Mm. <laughs> the education right. system and that's where my real frustration and my passion comes from is the fact that when you look at the education system it's very much set like the corporate system when you look at standardized testing and it's how well can you memorize and put the answers back on the paper someone like me who's like so dyslexic <laughs> right so yeah. i you know i dropped out of school at 19 i always got really frustrated when the metrics I was judged in didn't really reflect the amount of effort I was put in. And then to me, I was really, really passionate. And this is maybe my delusional side. The metrics are wrong. <laughs> right. The metrics are wrong. I am understanding these concepts. My customers are resonating. Give me a long tail strategy. Let me do content, <laughs> right? But if you're, if, you're, if you're saying that, that you're judging me by spelling immediately, Right? What good is a good open rate when the conversion rate down the funnel is horrible? So to right. me, it's always been about how do we get visibility to metrics to really judge efficacy in any system, right? And of course, marketing attribution is, and marketing and uh, automation is where I ended up. Uh, and it's the jumping off point. But to me, these skills that I'm learning and that we're learning at Sales Lab X is a lot more than how do I get somebody to click on something? It's how do I get a child to graduate? Right. How do I get a, a, a system to operate functionally? Right. I, you, you probably notice this a lot of times. Like there are so many tools out there right now. Casey. Yeah. There's Salesforce, there's Zoom Info, there's Pardot, there's uh, Outreach. And a lot of people call us and 90% of my day is done with tech stack orchestration. How do these tools talk to each other? Go into any other of these big archaic systems and it's the same exact issue. How does the school district talk to each school? How does the state like it's the same silos that we're dealing with? And what the most interesting part of what we do is at Sales Lab X is that we're learning how to break those silos down. Mm -hmm. We're learning how to effectively measure the outcomes that we're looking for and we're able to drive those results. That to me is exciting and we get paid for it, Casey. Capitalism right. rewards us for it. So, you know, that's why I'm passionate about it. And this to me, why we call ourselves Sales Lab X is we're creating this laboratory type environment to really test out how do you drive change. Another really frustrating thing about why or why I'm very passionate about this, Casey, is that yeah. I run into such smart people like you, right? And other people in the industry. <laughs> And it's so interesting that the smartest minds in the world are working on getting one more person to fill out one more form. Mm. We have all optimized for that. And as I've played this game for a while, I run into these passionate people who care about behavior and change management. And, I'm, and what's really exciting is how do we take these skills, the same skills that are required to get somebody to fill out a form, are the same skills that are required to keep an incarcerated individual outside of jail. To me, that's the ultimate 
surprise, right? That's why, because yeah, I'm not that passionate about email templates and marketing attribution. I am, but that's that's the North Star. Yeah, it, it's the randy, bigger picture. Right? I, get, I get into this. Tape. I get yeah, into man. This. No, this is good. It's good. We got to brush off the cobwebs. It's not really about that clicky click thing. You know, we get so focused on it. I think maybe because it's safer, right? It's safe. It's like a known thing. And, and this landing page, I can optimize it. But me dealing with, you know, keeping someone out of jail or some of these bigger picture issues that maybe have even a bigger impact. It's scary. It's scary to think, you know, try to help somebody out if they're injured on the side of a mountain. There's, there's things that are scarier than, than our, you know, staying, I guess if we, if we, I love the laboratory, you know, I, idea the metaphor um and to your point though it's a, getting that laboratory out and, and working on the the larger world not just our tech stack man i, I can't imagine seeing you in meetings over and over again because i've been there just oh let's uh let's do this another tech orchestration meeting uh oh no my my you know zoom info app isn't talking to my other app and and they were not getting the right data coming through and just like oh god not another one of these things like what are we doing here but you know what I love doing is helping people zoom out. Yes. You know, yes. Is helping people zoom out because I talk to very smart CMOs, very start, smart VPs, very start, uh, smart founders. Nobody got into it for data and tech stack orchestration. Right. And reminding them of the mission that they're trying to do is, you know, it just aligns so much. It's just the, the alignment of the mission using data reporting um, is just, so interesting to me that these are the tools that we're supposed to use and not the end result. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm, this is how I am all day, Casey. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're just getting started here. Uh, what do you say to that marketer that's kind of in that hamster wheel? They're stuck going around a lot of tactical to do's, a lot of those landing page optimization and they're a brilliant mind and there's so much for them to accomplish. How do they break out of that, that cycle, that pattern? You know, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. And, and, and what's really difficult is there, there are systems in place in a lot of corporation, a lot of organization that, that, that doesn't facilitate you leaving that hamster wheel. You know? Um, and I think what it has to start on the individual level, and I know it's super frustrating, when your leadership is just asking you for revenue attribution and you have this awesome long tail content strategy. Uh, but you have to, you, I, I think it's just taking time, creating space and realizing what is your unique skill set and what do you want to put out in the world? And your current role that you're in is one way of doing that. Don't obsess so much about the metrics. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I I'm a big believer of of ungated content. <laughs> If that makes sense, right? Of ungated content of like, wait, can I go on a little bit of a side thing? Oh, please, man. Do it. Okay. Preach. I, I'm, a big, I'm a big proponent of stories, right? Because I think that makes a much bigger difference. Uh, I am a yoga teacher. Uh, Hell yeah. What kind of yoga? The past life. Uh, huh? What kind of yoga? Uh, just like Ashwaga yoga. But it's like, you know, I so I did this. I, you, you were about to... Uh, I'm trying to stay on track, but you're going to get me onto my number. favorite. Okay. Favorite, I'm, more I'm off track. Favorite focus. yoga pose. I, I didn't take the Adderall today, but. <laughs> favorite yoga pose. Do you have one? Do you have a favorite or, or just the whole practice is your favorite? You know, uh, you're going to distract me. Casey. All right. All right. Tell your story. We'll I, come I, back I, to I, yoga. I, what I like, I think, you know, what I like about yoga, the, and I think the, the, the difference between yoga as a religious practice and as an exercise is the discipline that it brings to you. Right. And then so to me, you know, I really love, uh, you know, I love crow pose. Let's go into that. But I really I don't, I'm not really too much into the poses. I'm more into like, how do you hold something for an extended period of time? Hell yeah. How do you hold something for an extended period of time? How do you hold something for an extended period of time? Right. How do you take that philosophy that you have, that energy that you have quarter over quarter? Mm. How do you hold that pose for an extended period of time? Hell yeah. To me, that's the to me, that's the exciting part. Wait, let me get back to the story, right? Okay, go for it. You talked about how, as a marketer, do you make sure that you stay aligned with your vision and your purpose when and get out of the hamster wheel? And then to me, it's always about giving. It's about giving 
And it's about not worrying so much about the attribution up front, doing things that are not scalable, right? But the intuition part knows that it's going to work out. Okay. And the story I was going to say is while I was in India doing my teacher training, I, I lived in a, a ashram for a little bit for a period of my life. And one day I was going, I was walking outside of the ashram and nearby there was a, there was a lady and I don't know, you know, if you've ever gone to India or gone, but there's like, Not yet. well, come on down. That's where Road I was trip, born, bro. small village in India, all the way to the bottom. That's where I was born. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I've stopped by one of these street stalls and Tatch roof, coconut roof. And she, uh, she had, uh, she was selling coconuts, right? And she was selling coconuts and I had a hundred rupee bill. And I said, Hey, I would like a coconut. She said, I don't have change for that. And this is one of those little deals, if you can imagine in your head, where she's selling coconuts in the front and then she's, the bed's in the back. It's like the size of this thing, right? Side of the road. She's like, uh, I don't have change. And I'm like, okay, well then never mind. And I said, uh, and I was like, no, never mind. Then I don't want to, I don't want to water. And then this is, this is very interesting. And then she told me the sentence that I think has made the biggest impact for me. If you need it, go ahead and take it. If you need it, go ahead and take it, right? And Casey, when the first time we talked, right, <laughs> before this podcast, that same energy came outside of you, which is if you need it, you need some advice, Milton. I've been in this game for a long time. You need some advice here, take it. No NDAs, nothing like that. You need it, take it. And I'm telling you, and there's, there's one more, there's one more layer to this. So I, you know, so, you know, I was like, okay, awesome. And remember, she never met me. This is the, this is not efficient capital deployment. This is not metrics. <laughs> this is, if you need it, take it. Right. I come back a week later. Right. She gave me the, she gave it to me for free. Remember. Uh, so you did take it. You needed it. I did take it. I did take it. I did take it because like she insisted. Right. I, I took it. I came back a week later, got another coconut water. And then I paid her for two. Here, she said, no, I can't take any extra money. You are only getting one. You're only gonna pay for one. And I said, no, uh, like, go ahead, keep the money. And then she's like, no, no, I can't take it. And I was like, no, you, a week ago or two weeks ago, you gave me an extra coconut for free. So this is just me repaying you back. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. I forgot about that. Look at this, look at this for a second. Talk about long tail. Talk about separating the giving from the receiving. Talk about separating the gift. I give, I forgot I gave, and then my receiving is separate. When you talk about how do you align yourself and outside of that hamster wheel, you, you have to sell leadership long tail. You have to sell leadership intuition. You have to tell them that my giving is separate from my receiving. But you have to trust that if we give this out, that we'll get it back, right? And as a marketer or anybody in corporate America, you have to consistently remind yourself of that. You have to remind yourself when you get so, you know, okay, you've been here. You spend so much time and energy building this like amazing journey with like attribution setup and personalization. And it's just a dud. It's a dud. It's a complete dud. And you've tracked it so well, you can tell just how much of a dud it is, right? <laughs> My attribution is on point, Casey. My attribution is on point. <laughs> what do you do? There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a group of people who say, that didn't work. I'm never going to try this again. Right. I'm going to go back to donating to Google Ads. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm just going to do a percentage game. Like, you know, like I'm just going to make yeah. sure Zuckerberg gets another $2. Right. right. There's a group of people who are like, my giving is separate from my receiving. I believe that this is the right way to do things and the data will catch up. The data will catch up. And I think the number one message I have is like, let's go back to that intuition that brought you into this industry. Nobody woke up as a child and said, I want to get into marketing automation. What is the thing that brought you into this and remind yourself of that? Long-winded answer to how do you get off the hamster wheel? But every answer is long-winded, unfortunately. Dude. Dude, if you need it, go ahead and take it. Bro, <laughs> yeah. you need a book. You need to write a book on that or That's something. That's the whole game. That's the whole game. You know what? You need a podcast titled that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, no. Like, I need facilitators like you. Otherwise, I go off the rails. 
that ah, that's a that's amazing. And we will go off on a tangent about yoga in a second, but yeah, that's so powerful. She is, and she was just like, just take it. And I'm sure she probably could have used the the mula, right? She probably could have used Definitely. it, but it's not like it was like ah, I got I got eighty thousand coconuts. I don't need your money. Yeah, you know, hey, just like and so it's not like that example is any different from maybe you know, a marketer today, I'm probably even more so the marketer today. Hey, I really need to get leads, right? I, or I need to get business for my company. That's my job. I don't want to get fired. So it's not any different. It's, it is different, but I'm saying like, metaphorically speaking, everyone still needs that result. So it's not like she was just on vacation donating coconuts to everyone, right? She, every, we all still need to get that final result, but she was looking so far out to the future. I mean, that's powerful. Well, it's the benefit of uh, believing that you have multiple lifetimes, you know? <laughs> That's one sure. of the benefits of reincarnation is that- Okay, you I'll get the true. lead now or I'll get the yeah. lead ne next time. <laughs> but, but you bring up a really good point, which is how do you maintain the pressure of delivering results? Now, we get paid on results. We're a performance marketing org, right? And I don't want to well dismiss said. the on-the-ground reality of like, you know, you have to make deposits in the bank to get the withdrawal. So like every once in a while, you got to do that silly Zoom info campaign and it's going to get you results. You got to give it to leadership, but you got to give it to leadership in order to build your larger narrative, right? Like the, the short-term dopamine releases that you give to leadership or the VC firm or the investment firm is a dopamine release to buy you runway to do the long-term vision and the planning, right? right? So like, but sometimes people get so caught on those like, the, the short-term dopamine releases that that becomes the standard operating procedure. The fire drills aren't a fire drill if you're doing it every week. I don't know who I'm talking to about this one, but the, you've been living in a fire drill for the last two years. It's not a fire drill anymore. Your house is on fire, right? So, you know, that, that you bring up a great, great point. It's about finding that balance and it's about giving and receiving, right? You have to do the weirdo, you know, demo request form, batch and blast every once in a while. You know, and we do that. We go in, we want to show value in 30 days. So the client is very happy, right? We have ROI guarantees. We need to make sure that we have revenue attribution for all of our clients within the time period that we guarantee. Otherwise, they can't go to their investors and say, hey, the investment in SLX happened. But you know what I will never do is I will never let that be the servant to the mission, right? So like that, that's, that's the difference. And I think like, you know, and I'm not talking to everybody right now, Casey. I'm probably talking to like five talking to percent of the people. Okay. I'm talking to five percent of the people who are listening to this, right? <laughs> so I don't want to alienate your audience, you know, who just wants to like know how to get a bigger click rate, but it's emojis and personalizations in the subject line. Okay, let's go on to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> emojis and personalization of the subject line. So first name, emoji, and move on. Is that it? You know, you want to get a two percent higher open rate. And you want to just look at it myopically and you want to just like, now what happens when they open the email? Okay. You want to hire a click-through rate? Say, get a free puppy. Click on this. People love puppies. Okay. You get to the landing page. Say, I'll give you a $25 Amazon gift card. If you come and see a demo, what have you done there? <laughs> what have you done there? Except in isolation trained one part of each thing and have not told a cohesive story that is actually going to drive behavioral change. Yeah. What have you done there? Yeah, and if you get to a landing page after promising a puppy, you get to a landing page. There's no more puppy, and it's Amazon gift card. Most people are calling bullshit. They're like, "No, I wanted the puppy. Like, I'm yeah. not here for the gift card. I'm here for the puppy. Where is the puppy at?" Yeah, yeah. you know, you got you got to fulfill your promises, right? You got if you're gonna promise something, you got to actually deliver it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And this is what happens when you look at one metric by itself and you don't understand it holistically. Yeah. Right. And that, that, I think if, if you take away one big thing from this whole session today, it's like zoom out, zoom out. Like what, you know, like what are you actually trying to accomplish? Zoom out, don't obsess so much about the lead to opportunity conversion rate and actually understand where that customer is at that point of the journey. And why is the reason that they're not doing this? This isn't a, this isn't a it's not a data game, it's a people game. Yeah. Say that again, that was powerful. It's not a data game. It's a people game, right? Let, yeah. let, because because I, I, you, you know why? Because like data is easily manipulatable. Data is easily manipulatable. People aren't. 
Real growth, real change isn't, but it's difficult. Let me do one more analogy for you, right? I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> when I was in school, horrible student, did really bad. And they had uh, they had testing where the, the teachers got graded based off of the, the results of the kids. Obviously, that's good. You want to you have efficacy. You want to have a data-driven sales model. Everybody loves that, right? What do they do, Casey? They just said, hey, Milton is in special ed now. They just classified me as special ed. There was a subset Did that didn't get counted. Wow. Hey, you want, you want more MQLs, Casey? Let's just change the MQL criteria. Let's just lower You want Like, you want more MQL? I'll just change the criteria for MQLs. Right? You didn't really solve what you were doing, but if you're just following the data, it's very easy to manipulate. It's very easy to manipulate. If you sit back and you ask, how do I get this student to learn? How do I, why is this person not interested enough to be ready to have a sales conversation? And what is ready to have a sales conversation? What are those definitions? Are we all using the same definition? Right. What is success as a student? Right? That right. to me, that to me, that to me is the biggest growth opportunity for most orgs is defining the win and not being so data driven that you forget about the people behind the data. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, uh, this is why I'm passionate about conversion rate optimization. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it is, right? Like, that's, yeah. what, that's like, that's the really cool part about this. It has big impact. Yeah. It has big impact if you let it have impact. So how do you how do you get practical on these things, right? How do you implement this mentality? You know, because the people that are like, okay, man, Milton, roll up your sleeves, man. Yeah, cool shirt, by the way. Roll roll up those sleeves, right? I like that collar too. That's like a that's a very cool collar. You know accessible to the people no. yeah but, <laughs> but they're like roll up your sleeves Milton. how do i how do i apply this and i know we've kind of jokingly talked about how to apply some of the like the the cheesier ta the tactics that are focused on the outcome but like how do you how do you implement like yoga like a practice like this how do you implement the milton zoom out practice in your daily marketing practice yeah 100 percent. there's two things that you have to get good at it's zooming out and zooming in and the magic is knowing when to do what. Okay, so we zoomed out and we talked a lot about theory. Now let's zoom in and we talk about the daily practice of applying this. In order to have real creativity and freedom, you have to have a lot of discipline and structure. It's the most, you know, it's a very weird concept to think about the juxtaposition there. So what I see is usually there are very creative people and they're very disciplined people. And in that Venn diagram, the people who can wield both are, are the kings, right? So let's talk about how do we do both in a daily practice. One is whenever you go to do something, A-B testing, have a theory in mind. Have a theory in mind, okay? My theory is that people are not ready to purchase at this stage because it's a nice to have and not a must have. The sales velocity is lower because we're not able to pinpoint the pain point and we're not able to poke on it over and over again, over an extended period of time, over multiple stakeholders. Cool. So I have that theory. I'll tell you something, Casey. Right there, starting with the theory, our hypothesis, 90% of people don't have the discipline to do that. Okay. True. So the, fir True. the first thing is start with the theory. Don't just put two subject lines and just say, done. Start with the theory. I'm going to test out this theory. And the theory is not this subject line will work better than this subject line. The theory is, this is the concept that's not that people need to address at this point in their life, in this point in their journey. Test that theory, okay? Then you have a, then you test it. So then you have your different levers that you pull in order to actually test that. Now, here's a second tip. Isolate variables. Isolate variables, okay? So for example, I'm a big morning person, if you can't tell. It's like eight o'clock here and I'm already ranting. Okay. Hell but I'm yeah. a big morning person. Maybe about seven years ago, I realized, man, my morning, there's a lot of downstream impact to my morning. How my morning starts have a lot of impact on my downstream. 
So I was like, man, but there's so many variables in my morning. What time I wake up, what time I do this, what time I do that. So what I did is I said, okay, I'm going to wake up at the exact same time every single day. I isolated that variable. Then I optimized just for that. Then I said, okay, the clothes I wear make a big difference. Then I said, so what I do now, shout out to the shirt I'm wearing. I have six of these. I wear the same one every single day. Isolated, no, right? Normalize oh. that variable. We've normalized the variable, right? When we go into testing that thesis statement that you had, don't change the subject line, the email template, the form, the infographic. Don't change all of it at a time. Change one, isolate one lever at a time. Just change the subject line. Don't change the preheader. Don't change the time that you send the email. Just change the subject line. Isolate that, right? Now, make sure, so that's a second tip. First step, start with the thesis. Second, practical discipline. Pull one lever at a time. The third thing is, Make sure you give it enough time to breathe, aka you have statistical significance in the data that you're pulling, okay? So give it enough runway and enough of the prospects to go through that in order to actually make it happen, okay? Now, the, for the final one is measure of full life cycle impact, right? So you changed one lever, See how that impacts downstream actual revenue and conversion rate from lead to off and not just that one lever at a time. If you have a disciplined approach to that, this isn't marketing attribution. This isn't marketing. This is just, if you take those four steps and you do that over and over again, roll up your sleeves and you do that with a disciplined approach, I think you win. I know you win because we do it for hundreds of millions of people like every year, right? So like, I know you win if you follow those practical steps. Love it. That's cool, man. How, tougher question. How do you get that discipline? Oh, man. The, first, it starts with yourself, right? So for me, it's about micro disciplines along the way. Okay. So I'll put it into corporate time, you know, saying like, I'm going to start every morning by looking at this report and then holding yourself accountable to look at that report every morning. I'm going to go to set up a Google alert for my keywords. And I'm going to look at that report every morning. I'm going to do X and Y and Z every morning and starting with micro, micro habits, right? Easy things that you can just get yourself in order to do that habit. The second thing, which is harder Right? One is managing yourself. The second thing, and I can tell you this is the hardest part, is managing up. Is managing up. You might have this habit and you might go to the gym at 4.30 a.m. every day. But what happens when your wife is like, oh my God, I want you to take the kids outside or something like that in that morning? What happens at that point? Right? Like what happens when your leadership is like, hey, I don't want you to do that test anymore. I want you to do another test. Yeah. Right? That to me is the hardest part because a lot of people listening to this right now, Casey, they were probably this excited about what we were talking about five years earlier in their career and they've yeah. slowly gotten beaten down. Yeah. You know, look at really jaded teachers in the public school education system, right? <laughs> like they all, like nobody starts teaching for like the money or the, the fanfare, right? They start for passion. The key is, and I actually, surprisingly enough, worked in public education for a while. That's why it's kind of close to my heart. The key is when the principal comes to you and says, I don't care about that. I want you to make sure they pass the standardized test, aka, I don't care about your experiment about the feelings of this human being. I want you to get me a higher open rate. You have to have a disciplined approach to tell your story, to get buy-in from other people. I think the self-discipline is very easy, but I'm, now maybe this is me. I think the more difficult thing is very disciplined approach to when somebody comes to you and says, I need this tomorrow. Why can't you give it to me? I need you to stop doing everything else that you're doing. Stop doing the, the disciplines because, so handling those variables that you maybe don't have control, com complete control. Like if you were uh, a single person and you, worked remote and you locked yourself in a box, you, you no animals can't have an animal because that'll mess up your day, right? You're in this, you're in this very tiny loft and you order all your food in and like maybe just maybe 
you can eliminate a lot of variables, but then you still have a boss and you still have neighbors and you still, so it's those variables that, yeah, I totally get that come in and you, you establish maybe a perfect discipline. You have a practice, you're getting up, getting up, getting up. And then one night you end up having to stay up late because I don't know, the expanse came out with a new season and then you just had to watch it. Right. So these other variables come in. So yeah, I hear you on that being, those are those challenges thrown your way. And you know what you do, Casey, you got to plan for those edge cases. Once you get very comfortable with your discipline with yourself, then what you have to do is you have to start planning for the edge cases because the patterns are going to happen over and over again. And maybe it's me because I've gone into hundreds of different organizations and looked at human behavior and zoomed out and said, I am seeing a pattern here where the people inside of it is not seeing a pattern. And to me, it's very interesting because what people call edge cases are not actually that edge of a case. There are going to be days when it's raining outside. We know that, Casey. We know that your wife is going to, or your husband or your partner is going to get upset in the morning. We know that already. Why are we <laughs> acting like it's the first time every time? Why are point. we immediately going into chaos mode every time? If it's a fire drill every day, it's not a fire drill, right? Hey, get the report ready for your leadership. Build the report. Get it ready for them. Get, they're not ready for the fight because they're coming in a very reactionary sense. The board just says something, their leadership says something, but you are proactively thinking about it. Now, remember, I'm talking to 5% of the listening audience, right? I'm talking to 5% of the listening audience. The ones that really want to do this, they built the report. They built the deck. The deck is waiting. The deck is waiting. <laughs> I'm that. waiting for you to say this because I already got my rebuttal ready. It's, not, it's an edge case for you. It's not an edge case for me. I built for this already. I'm ready for this. Because once I build the discipline and I get good at that discipline, it becomes easy for me. The trick is not to just keep saying, oh, I, I've mastered self-discipline. Now it's take that extra bandwidth that you used to spend in self-discipline and start looking at how do I, this is why a lot of individual contributor marketers never make it to leadership. Because they obsess over just getting good at their job and not about how to deal with those edge cases, how to represent value to leadership, how to manage up. You have to start consciously and actively planning for that now before you need it. There was a time in my life, Casey, where I would learn a word. Like I remember sitting in a coffee shop maybe like a, 12 years ago and I never heard the word KPI before, right? I never heard the word KPI before. And I heard the word KPI and I just like blew my mind. I was like, oh, this is so dope. Like you get to decide what the key performing indicators are. Like, some, like, it's not just the grades. Like, it just blew my mind as like a, you know, I don't know, 19-year-old or 18-year-old. And I sat there at a coffee shop for four hours. And I built a slide deck about how I would, like, how I would explain KPIs, my KPIs to somebody. I kept that slide deck on my laptop till the moment that life caught up to the slide deck. It caught up. Now, everyone it talks about up. that. It caught up. The, into, the data caught up to the intuition. Data is a lagging indicator. Yeah. Data just tells you what has already happened. Tell me about that intuition. How, how, do you, how do you foster that? How do you grow that? I think it's staying aligned. I think it's staying aligned. What I do is I write down in my Apple iPhone notes thing, I write down microtransactions that make me really ha unusually happy. So if I go to the grocery store, we have HEVs here that are very nice. And the cashier uh, says, oh, you know, how's your day? And I have unreasonable expectate, unreasonable uplift on that. I write that down, right? There was a, when I, when I, I, I'm sorry, I love the story. But like when I was 16, I first started driving, I got in a car accident. And the lady who, uh, who ran into me, like got up, like very apologetic and is like, Milton, are you okay? Till that moment, nobody had ever asked me that question. I had never thought about that question myself. And I stopped and I just thought like for, like it felt like forever, maybe it was adrenaline. I was like, oh my God, am I okay? Like, am I okay? Am I actually okay? I wrote that down, <laughs> right? And I'm like, man, like asking someone, are they genuinely okay? And there was that moment where there was a tone and a cadence in her voice that made me feel because she genuinely did, are you okay? How was your day? I saw the outsized impact that made in my life and I wrote it down, right? I wrote it down. I wrote, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Now I have 
a year worth of data points. Mm. Right? Now I'm seeing, because the intuition is like, oh man, I feel something here. Then I write it down. Then I look for the trend in the data. Then I'm like, okay, look, I love talking to people. I love helping people. I love removing gatekeepers. Right? I love taking complex ideas and making it accessible. These are the things that make me passionate. When I'm not doing something for a long time that ties into one of those buckets, when I don't have those feelings and my journal runs low, I realign. I realign and I say, okay, how can I do more of those things? And if I don't have the capacity to realign, I make sacrifices in order to realign. Yeah. Love it, dude. I think that that that's how you stay aligned to your intuition and how you foster it because everybody has it. You're born with it. Watch a kid, like watch a young kid. Like I genuinely believe that, you know, if you're Christian or whatever, there's this whole concept of like the child like gets to heaven. Right? In, in Judaism, there's this concept of like when you're born, you're born with all the knowledge that you need and then an angel touches you on your lips and you forget all of it. Wow. So all of these like, all of these these stories are telling us that you're born with everything and then the world slowly ruins that for you. Mm. And the idea is that you have to foster that you have to keep it. So it's not about how do you, how do you get intuition? How do you find intuition? It's how do you keep intuition? How do you keep it? How do you keep it? How do you protect it? How do you protect it? How do you protect your perspective, Casey? How do you protect your perspective? Right? How do you curate your perspective? And then how do you protect your perspective? And then how do you scale your perspective? That oh. middle step, how do you protect your perspective? That's where most people get lost. Because it's very easy for when that teacher tells you, you're special ed, you didn't get a 70, you're a failure. It's very easy for you to say, hey, that perspective that I have something to offer to the classroom doesn't matter anymore. It's very easy for when your leadership comes and tells you, ah, oh, you didn't really get the leads you needed to this, this quarter. Like, you're kind of a sucky person and I'm putting you on a pip. It's very easy for you to say, my perspective doesn't matter. Right. You know, one of the things I found is that the higher up you go in the hierarchy, the more perspective you're expected to have. Right. And so I, I remember working with some, some junior folks and, and they're like, here are the three things. I, I looked at these three options and here, here they are. And then my question on back is like, well, which one do you like the best? You know, which one, which one do you think we should go with? I might pick a different one, but I'd love to hear. And it's like trying to foster that. No, do have a perspective. And, and when, when you get to that, want to get to that management level and that executive level, it's nothing but perspective. So hopefully you've been working on that muscle, but if you haven't worked on that, on that muscle, then if you haven't curated it and protected it and scaled it, you, you don't have anything when you get to that point. But you know, and I don't think it's, I, I think it's unintentional because people don't think their perspective val is valued till somebody gives them permission to have a perspective. Mm, so true. You know, and I think, and I think what's really interesting about people who do messaging and marketing, like the people who are listening to this is that you have the power to give somebody permission to have a perspective. You know, how many times I go into a conversation and I just start with Salesforce is frustrating. It's kind of annoying. It's a little bit clunky. Tell me about how you feel. It's like, Milton, you're the expert here and you're telling me this. And then they just go off. They're like, well, here's my perspective. And I'm like, wait, look, I just gave as an authority figure in the industry as a thought leader, as you said, I'm giving you permission that your perspective is valid. People don't get permission to have a perspective till they reach a seniority. And we've built an org at Sales Lab X from $0 with the $7 domain to over $100 million valuation in less than six years. And the number one reason why, the number one reason why is because we curate perspectives are underrepresented voices. We actively curate those voices. We actively curate the voices of underrepresented perspectives. That is our moat. We have built systemically, we have built an engine that does that. We recruit, we train, we foster. We've built an engine that does that. Consciously, consciously we've done that. That's our moat, no one's copying that. Right? Why we're able to go in in an industry that is so, I believe sometimes so archaic that they're still charging by the hour, very transactional project-based. And we're saying, we want to foster this like frictionless creation process 
where we have this unlimited subscription model to RevOps and sales ops, which is unheard of, right? The reason we can do that is because we innovate because we're bringing in voices to the table that have never been at the table. It's mm. our strategic advantage. It economically makes sense, right? So when people say, oh, wow, like 70% of our leadership roles are with women or people of color, it's not by accident. And when you look at our growth trajectory, how we were able to do it with no VC funding or financing, it's not by accident because we're curating these perspectives that are underrepresented. So now we have the strategic advantage where efficient capital deployment becomes a lot easier because we're able to curate perspectives that have done that intentionally and with their intu intuition. It's, it's, it's easy, it's no brainer. If you can do that, and I, going back to your point of like, when you get into a leadership position is where people start paying you for your perspective, that is what happens, and that's where the echo chamber starts. Mm. That's why Zuckerberg spent billions of dollars building the stupid <laughs> metaverse. You know? Because it's like, you curated, you know what I mean? And then finally, like, the investors had to punch him in the face, and they're like, They finally okay, got well, legs, right? They finally put legs on their their uh, emoji guys. The <laughs> like, where are you? Like, where, what is the, your only, the, the only people's perspectives you're paying for are the people who are in your echo chamber. Right. Yo, you know, Zuck, why... this is the best thing ever, man. I just played tennis in the metaverse. <laughs> you know, when we go and we take on a new client, Casey, the number one value add that I say that I personally bring, if I'm on an account, I push back. Yeah. I say no. Yeah. I push back. I say no. I say stop creating those dumb fields in Salesforce. You're yeah. creating technical debt that doesn't need to be there. You're over-engineering this. Let's think about, let's reverse engineer from revenue impact and not your fantasy world where a sales rep doesn't have to click one extra button. I'm going to lose a lot for that. But like, you know what I mean? Like, but listen, what if my economic incentive was based on I got paid every time I built an extra button? Yeah. Of course you're going to, like, it doesn't, it doesn't systemically make any sense. It doesn't systemically make any sense. How do I give you objective advice? You can't. You can't, you can't, right? And so to me, it's not about like your perspective starts mad. It's that people at a very early age says, I'm telling you do this because I'm your parent. I'm don't screw your curiosity. I don't know if that's a curse word or not, but like forget your This curiosity. is the hardcore marketing show. You can say pretty much anything. <laughs> we gotta say show. hardcore here, the hardcore this marketing hardcore, show. hardcore, man. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you, you, you it, it's 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 actively diluted from a very young age. Yeah, it's actively diluted. You know, and there are people who are listening to this right now, Casey. Right, who are hardcore marketers. Hell yeah. Right, <laughs> who are hardcore marketers? They can decide what is normal and whose voices matter. If you're sending an email to hundred thousand people, or ten thousand people, or five thousand people, listen very carefully. Your perspective is going out to 5,000 people. Your perspective is going out to 10,000 people. The world of Zoom info and outreach turns into this like very transactional thing. Your perspective is going out to 100,000 people. If you're not spending as much time curating that as you are spreading it, shame on you, hardcore marketers. Shame on you, hardcore marketers. You know what I mean? Like shame yeah. on you. Like that's a privilege, right? Like your perspective, that's a privilege. Like make sure you honor that. Make sure you guide that. Make sure you're aligned with that. Right? Imagine when you were a kid and you're like, are you, talk to, I, I tell my mom, I try to explain to my mom what I do. And she's like, man, you talk to that many people every day? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh man, that's awesome. Well, like, you know, bring the groceries inside, right? It's like, <laughs> it, you know, but, it, but it's cool, right? It's like really, it's really, really awesome. It's like awesome stuff. Powerful, man. Dude, take me back in time. Little Milton, did you know you were going to be, I mean, you had teachers telling you all these weird perspectives, but did you have any idea in your mind that you were going to end up being this passionate, you know, marketer slash, I don't know what, uh, evangelist <laughs> of passion and, and, and making the world better? You know, I, I, I was born in India. I grew up in Nigeria. Then I came to the States. And then, um, you know, I've just never really felt like when I walked into a system or a funnel, that funnel and that system was built for me. I just never felt it. 
right? I just never felt it. And that's not a downside of anything, right? That's also poverty in the United States. That's just a, it's a bunch of stuff, right? You never feel like you are like the thing that this is made for. You're an outlier. You're an edge case. So like you shoo shoo, right? I never felt that. So like, I, and then, so when I, in, when I ran into something like that, I still remember like the first time I went to a Starbucks is when I first felt it. Like this is like back when the biggest luxury item that that was in my world was going to a Starbucks. And I remember, you know, I, I hit some money. I went to a Starbucks and I bought the Starbucks and they wrote my name and they called my name out. They wrote my name on a cup. And I sat there like, and nobody asked me to buy. And it's just this space that you could just sit in because there was no free space for you to go sit in that was like actively curated that had no yeah. obligation for you to pay other than the thing you've already paid. And I felt this amazing feeling, right? I felt this amazing feeling. And I'm like, oh man, was this built with me? Like I'm getting this feeling that I don't get in school. And like as a 14 or 15 year old mind, it immediately clicked to me. It clicked to me. Why do I feel like this in a corporate, like in a machine and I don't feel like this in school? It, it just like boggled in my mind that you are actively intentionally building a funnel for one audience, right? And we have maybe like in the school that I went to, which is a really horrible public school, or not horrible, but underfunded. I mean, the graduation rate was abysmal. Like the data is telling you suck at your job. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, and if, if you're building for an audience of one build for me, right. Build for me. And you know, the big, the a big, big thing for me was when I first came to this country, my brother was great at making friends. I never, as you can tell, I'm a, I'm a little bit off the wall, but yeah. I was really, no friends. Nobody likes making... you. Say it again. I said no friends. Nobody likes you. <laughs> no, now I've mastered the art, but you know, uh -huh. but, but when I first, I would, I would watch, and this is a really good analogy for, I feel like what marketers do a lot of times, <laughs> but it's like, they, uh, you know, my brother used to bring friends over and they would play uh, Nintendo, right? Yeah. Uh, Goldeneye, this one game called Goldeneye. Dude, I'm with you. Goldeneye for Goldeneye, life. Goldeneye, right? Heck yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I never played Goldeneye. Really? I never played Goldeneye, right? But what I did is I watched people play Goldeneye. Okay. So my thing was, I was like, man, I want to make friends. My brother is so, I, I was like, my, friend, my brother is so good at making friends. I want to learn how to make friends. Yeah. So I used to study them playing Goldeneye. I, I would just, I would sit in the back of the room and I would watch them and I'd be like, okay, what game? I would like collect as much data points as possible. I would say, oh man, like when they played this level, they got really excited. When they played that level, they didn't get excited. When this guy did this, blah, 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 right? I studied because I thought, I thought that that data point of GoldenEye is how you made friends. That vanity metric, that's how you made friends. That was my end all be all because that's my, I had a myopic view of what a relationship was and how you curated friends. So I just obsessed. Oh man, should the button be two sides of sand? Should it be red? Should it be blue? What's the round of card? I just, I just obsessed over GoldenEye and learned everything that made somebody excited about GoldenEye, never playing GoldenEye. Wow. Never talked to a customer. I just obsessed over studying people playing Goldeneye. Okay. Now here, now one day I was in the lunchroom and I heard a guy. He was talking about Goldeneye to another guy. Right. And yeah. I got so excited. Preparation meets planning or whatever it is. And I was like, hey, you like Goldeneye? I love Goldeneye. We started connecting on Goldeneye. Remember, I never played Goldeneye. We talked about Goldeneye for weeks and weeks. Right. <laughs> one day, one day in the lunchroom, he stood up and he's like, I don't care about Goldeneye. I don't want to talk about Goldeneye. Right? Like Goldeneye is dumb. Stop talking about Goldeneye. But here's the lesson, you see? Nobody cares about Goldeneye. People care about connections. People want Goldeneye as a conduit to build a relationship. Nobody cares about your stupid SaaS platform that measures truck platforms or whatever the heck it does, right? What they care about is solving their problem. What they care about is spending more time with their family. What they care about is feeling valued. Your emails, your landing pages, your conversion funnel is a conduit to that. Don't get so obsessed with Goldeneye, right? Mm -hmm. And that started me on a whole journey of like, what are these things that actually build connection? And once you build connection, how do you leverage that to bring on societal change? That is the, that is the trajectory that really got to me here is like, how do you get there? And of course, marketers are so data-driven. It's the biggest, you know, uh, societal experiment ever. Uh, and you know, it, it, it's fun. It's fun. It's exciting. And you know, I can't wait to see like what happens, what happens with the skills that we're learning now. Wow, man. I mean, 
go- have you have you still not played Goldeneye? I played Goldeneye on an emulator a couple of months ago. A couple of months like, ago. Oh, this is a pretty good game. <laughs> it is a pretty good game, man. Uh, it is a really good game, though. See, I can see how it's fun to talk about it for a little bit, but it, but it, you know, it was the medium. It wasn't the actual message. It was the thing. So it. So at some point. We need to move on. We need to talk about something else. I will say, can I put a shout out to my friends at the Proximity Mines in Goldeneye? Those were my absolute favorite. Uh, I was a Proximity Mine ninja. I mean, you'd be walking around like nothing's happening. You'd walk past a, a, a tunnel and there you blew up and you died. Like, what happened? Well, Casey dropped some Proximity Mines in there and and I got a little, a little score. A person too. Casey like, gets a point. Strategic. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I love that, dude. Uh, well, I got a bit of a, a hypothetical question for you now. Yeah. You see, I may or may not have a time machine up here in New Hampshire. So let's say you come visit. We get some beer, some lobster, explore, maple syrup, whatever, all the local ingredients. But then we go use this time machine, right? It's actually in the backyard covered in a tarp. So uh, tell the missus, hey, we'll be back soon. <laughs> Bye, and- babe. We go use this time machine, but it's a particular kind of time machine. And you get to go and you get to go meet yourself like in your early 20s, right? Um, school has just sort of completed or finished. You're in that sort of like young adult phase. You get to go meet that Milton. You can hang for a little bit of time. What do you tell yourself? What kind of messages would you pass on to yourself? I mean, I think the theme of the whole podcast today, right? Like, your perspective matters, right? Your perspective matters. Uh, the days when you feel like that extra work you do to curate that and to cultivate that, do that more, right? The days when those voices come into your head and say that micro habit that you've been doing doesn't really matter because you're making $7 an hour. Why are you looking up KPIs? <laughs> like keep doing that like do that more and avoid the pitfalls of like letting people pollute your perspective i think that would i think that would be the main thing uh and and the funny thing is casey i do have that time machine because there is a 19 year old milton right now right there's a 19 year old casey right now there we do have a time machine right and that you know like what do you mean by that tell me about that you know, I hope that I or something I do touches one other person out there in the hundreds of emails we send, the millions of people that we touch. I feel like if I could, like, I mean, you study data enough and you know there's not that many actual anomalies and the edge cases do actually add up. And so there is a Milton statistically out there right now. And I hope that one day, you know, he's 17, 18 year old, 19 year old, he's on iTunes, looks up this podcast, or maybe it's a hundred years from now. Maybe it's 200 years from now. He's like, what is this ringmaster thing? What is this hardcore marketing? You know, what is this? I'm going to open it. I'm going to listen to this. And, you know, he's going to be like, wait a second. Like, this is the exact same edge case that I'm going through right now. Maybe this isn't an edge case. Maybe there is a path for me. Like, maybe like, in this wild circus I'm living in, somebody has already paved this path, but it's just not there yet. And to me, that's the ultimate goal is to be that time machine for someone is to save, you know, it's like, you know, like that to me is the ultimate goal. And then one layer on top of that, Casey, imagine if we can build a process and build a system where we take care of the edge cases. Oh, like this is why I love B2B marketing. Because the a- ASP is so high. <laughs> I'm getting like hitting nerdy out here. Totally. But the ASP is so high that like you can invest so much in each individual deal. Yeah. Right? This is why like my favorite thing is like high ASP, multiple decision makers, extended sales cycle. Because like you can just invest so much in it. But like, here's the thing. I feel like, you know, one of my very long-term goals, Casey, is like, oh, It's some, sometimes it's scary to say it out loud, but you know, that's how you know you have to say it. If, you know, right now, if you look at the rehabilitation of incarceration, it's a bunch of edge cases where the KPIs are completely skewed. 
right? If you ever work with an SDR team and a sales team and the SDR just get comped on how many ops they pass over and you've played this game before, <laughs> very quickly, and it's not a mixed uh, attribution model where they're also being paid on the amount of closed one deals, you'll realize very quickly that the incentive goes on just passing over as much crap as possible. Totally. Right? <laughs> So when you look at the when you look at the when you look at the uh, prison system right now, especially the private prison system, there is an incentive when you're getting comped on people staying in jail, and you look at the recidivism rate of almost seventy percent of people who go to jail come back to jail. What does that tell you? That tells you the system is failing, the process is failing. It's not working for the majority of people. The KPI is screwed up, right? And there are people on the other side, Casey, who are getting economically incentive incentivized to keep them in jail. Yeah. Right. So what if we take a data-driven approach to that and we say, okay, our objective, we all have definitions of what winning looks like. We study this group of people, these edge cases. This is why most people don't care. We study these edge cases and we say, okay, let's build a funnel that's intentionally built to keep them out of prison. Right. And I'll tell you a small little thing, right? So set, Numbers are not, you know, but I think it's about 60% of people in jail are in there for drug offenses. Okay, cool. You have that data point. This is our ICP, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then now you say, okay, cool. Now let's take a look at it. Now you see, you look, do the studies and this is all just very studies. The number one indicator or prediction of drug abuse or addiction is lack of human connections. The amount of successful connections you have is a big, because, you know, I don't know about this audience, but a lot of people have tried drugs. Some people haven't, some people drink, some people turn into alcoholics, some people don't. Right. The biggest differentiator is how many human connections you have, okay? Now, so now we have the leading indicator that has a downstream impact to the funnel we're trying to impact in our ICP. So if any smart marketer were to their salt would say, hey, our main objective is to make sure that these people have as many human connections as possible because that sounds built KPI of conversion rate on the bottom. So easy, right? Now, so what you want to do is you want to foster human connection. There's a privatized company, but what they do is they, you have to pay up to $2 an email to send emails out of prison. If you're in prison and you want to send an email to another human connection, you have to pay $2 and a minimum wage in most prisons is about $2.50. $2. Yeah. You could get some good snacks for that. I mean, you commissary, you get other things you can use for the $2. I mean, we think Salesforce storage is expensive, but geez, $2, $2 for an email, right? But look at what you're doing now. Now you're penalizing yeah. the conduit of driving human connections. Right. Right. So when people talk about cost of acquisition, right, for a deal, this is how people are shooting themselves in the foot. They're not, they're not actually solving the upstream impact of like, hey, the thing is not sending out a higher volume of emails. The thing is like actually finding out what is the thing that's actually driving this behavior and solving that. And our plan at SLX is really how do we take these learnings that we've done and overlay it to systems like that? Ultimately, there's a, there's a direct correlation from school to prison pipeline. And we want to disrupt that with the learnings that we're doing here, right? To me, that's the ultimate goal. That's why I'm very passionate about it. But that to me is like how, like how something you do on a daily basis right now can have a huge global impact. Wow, man. I, it, you know, it almost, almost like the idea of, I mean, there's many ideas, but the idea of, you know, repeat offenders, you get comped less to, to, to house them, to prison them. You know, so the more people coming, keep coming back, the less you get paid for them. So, or some kind of mechanism that says it's not good to have repeat offenders. Otherwise, repeat offenders are great for business, right? That means volume. Hey, oh. build another prison. Woohoo. No, no, we're going to pay you less and less and less. Or, you know, if, if you, if your return rate is high, then you actually get paid. You know, like your incentive is reversed. Now, now you're like, you better not come back. We don't want to see hey, you. What hey, can we do to keep you away? That's the solve. Yeah. You just, you just made the solve, right? If you want to work inside of capitalism and the ex existing system, not blow the whole thing up. That's the solve, right? If you look at the PNL, because these are publicly traded companies that give out dividends on a regular basis, these privatized prisons, they're actively lobbying for mandatory minimums in a lot of communities in oh, like wow. in the country. They're actively in their PNL, a cost of doing business is lobbying for mandatory minimums in communities.
They're incentivized. So you're absolutely right. Why not incentivize each year you stay out of jail, the government gives you money? Sure. Right? Like now you have the smartest minds in the world sitting around and saying like, hey, I don't actually care about click-through rates because I got to bring it back for the hardcore marketers. <laughs> I care about revenue attribution. I care about revenue attribution. It's harder. It's long tail. It makes a difference, right? But like, that's what I care about. Right. Right. And I think the the economic incentive is a huge thing there. The economic incentive. And it, look, you came with the idea in like two seconds. You're like, duh, duh. It's like so obvious, right? Right. Isn't it though? Yeah, man. Jeez, jeez. Well, dude, I could talk to you all day, but <laughs> we gotta we gotta wrap this thing up. Maybe this this is the beginning because we'll have to have you come back uh and and do a do a part due, you know. Um because like I've had such a good time, learned so many things here. Where can people connect with you? They want to get help with Pardot. They want to get help with that tech stack, tech stack, Salesforce, all the things. Tell us about all the things you do, where people go to get help with those things. Yeah, as you can tell, we're a passionate group of people. And if you think I'm passionate, if you see the other people in the org, they're even more than me. And we, so what we do is we have a subscription service. It's called Sales Lab X. And uh, we help you do all the things I just talked about. We will literally do it for you. So it's a subscription service, Unlimited, where we come in, we give you visibility to your data, revenue attribution modeling from all the way from UTM parameter, all the way to multi-touch attribution down funnel. Uh, and we help you with your emails, your landing pages, your forms to really tell your story and drive home those results. Uh, so saleslabx.com, saleslabx.com. Or if you just want to chat, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, Milton, Antony, A-N-T-O-N-Y, and we can just talk. You can tell I love talking. So even if you don't want to talk about anything related to this, hit me up. Talk about yoga. Talk about life, talk, man. Let's do it, Casey. Talk about fire drills. Talk about edge cases. Dude, I've learned so much from you. Thank you for coming on here. And I'm so glad we just connected on that prep call to find that passion because it would have been such a different podcast if we were like, well, let me tell you about this tech stack disambiguation, you know, like, ah, man, this was so much better. I mean, there's plenty of time to do that stuff. We'll That's why that. they hire you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but to really dive into what you're passionate about in the bigger picture, right. To zoom out, as you might say, and see the, 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 the Milton zoomed out is just amazing. And then to zoom in at different facets. So thank you so much for coming on here. Hey, thank you for inviting me, Casey. Hopefully you invite me again. I didn't scare people off. Dude, no, this is great. It's about time we got a little more hardcore on the Hardcore Marketing Show. For those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here front and back, then share this with someone, right? That's thought leadership. What, what else is it? It's sharing your perspective, right? Curate that perspective. What did you think about this episode? Was it absolute, complete rubbish, horse shit? Or did you like it or what? I don't know. But that's your perspective. Share that, right? Put that out on LinkedIn. We'll give it a like. Milton and I will come swoop in like guardian angels. And we'll give that a like. Encourage 100%. You. 100%, man. But like whatever your perspective, we'd love to learn from you. Uh, did this episode land? Did you learn something? What was the thing that really stuck in your mind? Was it... Yeah, it, was it the metrics? Was it the laboratory? Was it all the edge cases? The fire drills stuck out to me. Um, with that, Milton, again, you are the man, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much, Casey. All right, everybody. Thanks. Hardcore marketing. Let's go. Yes, there it is. <laughs> All right, everyone. This has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.